Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what was the best year to retire, in recent history at least? We've been putting a lot of thought into that question and into finding out why timing matters quite a lot when it comes to turning your savings into an income in retirement. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Not so long ago, we could all be fairly certain how much money we'd have to live from in retirement. Generous company pensions would give us a guaranteed level of income and we wouldn't have to worry about the money running out. Nowadays, far fewer of us get that certainty. If you plan on using an invested pot of money to generate income, what you'll get depends on what's been paid in, of course, but also on what the market gives you in investment returns. But that is not the end of it. The timing of your withdrawals matters a great deal. How much? Well, that is what we spent a couple of weeks here at Fidelity trying to find out, including working out what the best and the worst years to retire have been, in recent memory at least. To talk it over, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, Things change, don't they, when you start withdrawing money from investments instead of contributing to them? (laughs) They certainly do, Ed. Yes, uh, I, and I'm going to I'm going to try an analogy here. I don't, I don't know quite quite uh, well uh, how well it's going to work, but uh, <laughs> let, let's go. Bear with go me. Let's let's see if it let's see if it works. I I, I, I kind of think of it as it's like a bathtub. You've got you know you've got a, you've got a couple of taps with money uh, coming in the top, water coming in the top of the the, the bathtub, and 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 the two taps are one is your investment returns, and one is money that you're putting into your pot. This is this is when you're when you're accumulating uh, money through through your working yes. life, and of course while you're doing that, you've got the plug down the bottom, so you know you've got no money coming out the bottom of the <laughs> bathtub. I think this is working. Um, and that's great because, you know, assuming you've got positive investment returns and you've and you're putting money in, you've got both taps pouring fully away and your bathtub is filling up nicely. Yes. Now, when you when you start taking money out, when you start withdrawing money from your from your retirement pot, it's a very different situation. For one thing, you've only got you've only got one tap working because, yeah. you know, the tap, which is the money that you're putting in is now switched off. Um, you hope that there's still money coming in from the investment returns, the other tap. But also, you've got the plug at least partially out, you know, yes. and um, depending on how much money you want to take, you know, that, that's how just how much that plug is out. It might be fully out. It might be half out. I think that analogy works. But <laughs> you can see you can see how it's much more difficult to keep your bath full when you've got the when you've got the plug out at the bottom than uh, than, than when it's Yeah, in. and I'm going to try to that was a bit tortured well, that, wasn't well it? i'm going to try to continue your tortured analogy i mean if um <laughs> yes and, and and the point about this is is that investment growth uh of invested money which is what lots of people will still want to uh, use to help fund their retirement if you look at the sort of historic returns from from markets it's been enough to give people the income they need that's why people choose that route but of course there are periods when the tap is on and the tap is off and uh, yep. this 
is really what we wanted to look at, the sequence of your returns uh, from markets, because markets don't rise in a nice smooth line. There's periods when they rise, sometimes quite quickly, but sometimes when they fall and, 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 and you will lose money. And the fact that you're withdrawing um, from, a, from a pot of investments, that really does have a, that sequence of returns has a, has a big uh, influencing uh, sort of factor, doesn't it, on, on your overall outcome? It, it, it totally does. And, and, yeah, and to, to work with that analogy again, you know, it's 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 the tap being turned fully on or partially on. Um, and, you know, you you as 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 the person withdrawing money don't really have any control over that. Yeah. And 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 I think what you know, what we did and the work that you've done on this, uh, which is absolutely fascinating, um, uh, it, it shows just how important that sequence is, because intuitively you wouldn't think that you'd think well you know if you if you had good returns at the beginning of your retirement and good or good returns at the end it wouldn't really make any difference but what we discovered is that it does make an enormous difference when those returns happen indeed and this is this is something called sequencing risk um and it's a a well-known uh factor in investing but um yeah as you say if you if you're not sort of au fait with it it can be quite confusing it's basically the idea that uh, when you're withdrawing money you you if you suffer falls at the start of that sort of journey um but even if prices then go on to recover it's going to have a a, a big negative impact uh, sort of impact on your on your outcome there's a simple logic to that isn't there tom is that what you once you you're, you're withdrawing at the start of withdrawals, you still have a lot of exposure, don't you, to markets, basically. You have a lot at stake when markets fall. If they do fall, it means that you have to potentially sell assets at a lower price to generate that income that you're after. And that, of course, leaves fewer assets later on to recover. So even if prices do go on to to, to recover and to bounce back, you've got less assets to actually benefit from that. Much better, ideally, to have higher returns at the start and then you can have lower returns later on because that's okay because you've done all your withdrawing and you have less exposure. Yeah, and I mean just to be, just to sort of be clear about the mechanism there, it's because when you start your retirement, that is that you know assuming that what you're doing is you're building a pot of money through your working life and then running it down slowly through your retirement that point at which you start that process the retirement point is when you have the maximum amount of money in your in your pot and so therefore your exposure to uh you know let's say you know a five percent fall in the market is you know is much is much bigger in pounds pounds and pence terms because it's five percent of a much bigger figure it's almost the opposite really if you you know we we talk quite a lot about um, you know, when someone is young and they're starting out on their investing career, then the ups and downs of the market don't really matter so much because, you know, relatively speaking, they've got a relatively small pot. So if it fluctuates a bit, it doesn't matter so much as it would matter closer to their retirement. It's just the, it's the inverse of that effect. Yeah, indeed. OK, well, so let's look, Tom, at what we've been doing um, to explore this sequencing risk. Now, uh, I'm going to get into some data work that I've been doing, Tom. So I'm very aware that uh, it doesn't always translate that well into podcasts. But um, (laughs) I'm going to skip over the surface as best I can of the work, but get to the conclusions, which I think should be quite clear and straightforward. Um, But basically, we looked, Tom, at uh, the performance of a a balanced portfolio, a 60-40 
portfolio, a, a bit like you might have if you were investing in retirement. And we went back to returns all the way from 1994, which is the furthest back that we could get usable data for, but um, probably long enough to, to show the trends that we're interested in. Um, so almost 30 years of data we looked at, and we wanted to see what would happen to a pot of £100,000 invested at that point in 1994 and then with regular withdrawals being made. So the withdrawals we chose were 4% and then rising with inflation. There's a reason that we chose those and I'm going to come on to talk about that level of withdrawal. But um, for now, that's the withdrawals we set. Um, and then we ran the numbers to see what the pot would be worth after five years, after 10 years and after 15 years. Um, but that was just a start, Tom. We then ran the same set of numbers, starting not in 94, but in 1995, because we wanted to see what difference starting a year later would make. And then we ran it for 96, 97, 98, and so on, all the way up to the present day, basically. Um, and so what we ended up with was a whole series of these different scenarios, and we were able to compare what that £100,000 pot would have been worth after 5, 10, 15 years in each of these scenarios. So I hope people have been following all of that. Um, yeah, so so effective, effectively you ended up with, with you know, about 20 overlapping 10-year periods. So it's actually you ended up with quite a lot of, quite a lot of data to, 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 to find the averages from. Indeed, indeed. And what we found, well, it was really, really interesting. Um, it, it showed up very well, this sequencing risk, but I, I was, certainly was taken by surprise by the extent of this risk, considering that we're dealing with scenarios that basically were, um, you know, shared a lot of common investment returns, if you look at the, the periods. So yeah. more specifically, what did we find? Okay, so looking at 10-year periods, and as you say, there was 20 overlapping 10-year periods that we looked at, the best performing scenario, after 10 years, your pot would have been worth £177,000. Bear in mind, that's after 10 years of withdrawals as well. And the worst performing pot would have been worth just 81000 So uh, an almost £100,000 difference between the best and the worst um, with exactly the same investment mix, exactly the same level of withdrawals and actually um, sharing many common years of investment returns as well. Yeah, and as you say, Ed, that that's really surprising. That That range of outcomes... Uh, I was really surprised by by that as well because there's so much commonality between between these these periods. I mean, you know, the the difference between the ten year period that started in 1994 and the one that started in 1995 is only one year one year difference. Most of those years are exactly the same, um, and and yeah. yet, you know, as you say, very very different outcomes. And and if you think about it from from you know the the investors' perspective, I mean, if you if you had ended up started with 100,000 and ended up with 177 how differently you'd feel about it from the, the exactly the same investor who ended up with 80 something very well different. well exactly yeah exactly and 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 we took it a stage further because that was that was when we looked at the 10 year scenarios we also wanted to look at the 15 year scenarios there's obviously going to be fewer of them and you have yeah. to go back further to get the most recent of them um but that was really instructive as well because when we looked at the size of funds after 15 years which is you know half a, a, a very long retirement i would say the best year that we identified to have started your withdrawals was 2003, Tom. Now, had, mm. you, had, you, had you started your withdrawals in 2003 with £100,000, after 15 years, you would have £228,000. 
So way more than two times your uh, original starting pot. Now, the worst year for withdrawals would have been the year 2000, just three years before. And had you run your withdrawals for then for 15 years, you would have been left with 84. So the difference there, 84 to 228 in terms yeah. of your investing outcomes. Now, by starting just three years later, that dramatic, dramatically different outcome would have come about despite sharing 12 years you know, of, of common market returns mm. um, led to that incredibly big difference. Now, you don't have to be a stock market historian to, to have a <laughs> guess at the reason for that. 2000 and 2003, quite a lot happened in markets in that period, didn't they, Tom? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the key point, and we and we should you know we should be really clear about that up front that 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 three year period is an unusual period. Um, you know, we're 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 moving from a, a really a very um, fully valued market at the start of that period in two thousand, top of the dot com bubble, um, to a very um, arguably undervalued market in two thousand and three. Um, after the yeah. the bear market that followed the bursting of that dot com bubble, so it is an extreme example, but um, nonetheless, that is a very wide dispersion of of outcomes. You know, a three times uh, difference. But yeah, what happened in that period, of course, is that the market fell by about fifty percent, um, yeah. and so you know, the, the the investor choosing to start withdrawing in two thousand had a very different experience from the from the um, uh, from the one starting in two thousand three, and I guess that's the that's the point that we're trying to make. We're exaggerating to make the point, if you like. But we have you know they're carefully chosen years, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, you know they are real figures. Yeah, they are re real figures. This did really happen to people. Now, um, the the kind of most switched on listeners to this will be saying, "Well, hang on a minute." You know, the person that retires in 2003, yeah, all very well, they get this lovely long uh, unbroken run of returns as they're making their withdrawals. But they will have just lived, very likely, through that big market dip in the year 2000. So their pot, mm. fine, they weren't, they weren't taking any income from it, but they still would have felt that fall because if their pot was worth 100,000 in 2003, I don't know, it was probably worth 130 or 140,000 in the year 2000. Um, and this is a very, very valid point, but but I would I would certainly still rather have retired in 2003 for these reasons, Tom. First of all, if 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 someone was following good investing principles, they would have been contributing investments all the way through that period of 2000 to 2003. They would yeah. have been um, paying in money and actually taking advantage of those falling, crashing prices, right? And they mm. would have, and they would have. Um, dramatically uh, increase the number of assets in their pot through that period. Um, so that's the first thing to say. It would be much better to, to be contributing in that period than withdrawing. Um, and the other thing I would say is that actually when you look at the profile of people's contributions to pensions, it is not a smooth or, or smoothly rising line. It's more like a, a sort of J line and it dramatically escalates the closer they get to retirement. That's because their wages tend to be much higher at the end of their career than at the start. Mm -hmm. But also because I think as people get to that point, they have all sorts of incentives to shovel money in, if they possibly can, into a pension. The, the tax benefits on offer are kind of running out because they're going to soon be uh, no longer working. Um, 
but also there's a kind of incentive you, you can see the finish line as it were you can see the point when you're going to get this money so you really don't mind locking it away for two three years if you know you're going to soon be able to access it right so one final point there actually um is that a- as you approach retirement you are probably moving to to de-risk your portfolio to an extent so although the stock market fell by by 50 percent during that three-year period then hopefully uh you know you would not i mean the the example that you use was a 60 40 portfolio so uh, and and actually during that period um bond prices probably performed um, much better than the stock market. Well, almost certainly, they did. So, so as you say, it, it's not that uh, the portfolio went from being worth two hundred thousand to one hundred thousand. It was probably from one hundred and forty thousand to one hundred thousand over that period. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and I said Tom earlier on that that this work actually, as well as saying something about the timing of withdrawals. Um, it also says something about the, the level of withdrawals as well. Uh, now we used we use the four percent rule to model our withdrawals. So that's the rule that says you can take four percent of your pot in the first year of withdrawals, and then you escalate that amount with uh, inflation. You escalate the cash amount in line with inflation. Um, so that's a long-standing rule of thumb. We've spoken about it loads of times on the on the podcast. It's based on uh, various sort of new, uh, numerical studies, actually quite similar to the exercise that we performed, um, but looking at uh, the chances of your money lasting for 30 years based on lots of different market conditions and lots of different sort of asset mixes. Um, and our work showed what that previous work has shown, which is that the 4% rule actually is very conservative because, you know, if you looked in our 10-year scenarios, we were taking the 4% um, uh, withdrawals that are allowed and 17 of our 20 scenarios, the pots were actually bigger after 10 years than they were at the start. So that's 10 years of withdrawals and yet the mm. pot is bigger. And even the worst performing scenario, um, the pot was worth four-fifths of its starting value after 10 years. So if you're that person who's had the worst sort of run of it, the person retiring in 2000, say, um, you're probably quite watchful after 10 years because, you know, your 100,000 is now worth 81,000. But it's not a catastrophe, is it? No, absolutely. It's not a catastrophe. And that really is the worst case scenario. As you say, in in, in 85% of the the period, the 10-year period, 17 out of 20, you know, you 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 actually had more money at the end of the period, so so that's very encouraging, I think, for people to um, yes. as they as they go into retirement, knowing that actually, if they're prudent about the the level uh, of withdrawal, and they can afford, if they've got if they built up a, a sufficient pot, that four percent is enough to to meet their to meet their income requirements. Then I think that they can rest easy. That, that that there's a very good chance that you know they're not going to have a problem even through a, a 30 year uh, retirement. So I, I th- that for me was a very encouraging um, outcome from from this research um, because it also yeah, it shows I mean, that you know you know in the worst case scenario you know if you were to take five percent because you hadn't let's say you hadn't built up a big enough pot um, and you were to slightly push that four percent rule to a little bit more uh in order to meet your income requirements you might still get away with it well that's a very good point Tom because in fact you know I I, in doing all this work I went back and looked at the um, one of the the famous studies that um proves 
the, the sort of robustness of the 4% rule. Um, it's from uh, Trinity College Dublin and from about 1998. And it was looking at, it's not exactly the same, it was looking at different uh, portfolio mixes, but for a 75-25 a portfolio, 75% stocks, um, the 4% rule gives you a 98% chance of your money lasting. But if you up that to 5%, you still have a 95% chance. In fact, if you put it up to, yeah, if you put it up to um, 7%, you get an 85% chance. I mean, these bigger, bigger numbers, I mean, to push the the real extreme here, if you were taking 10% of your pot, you would actually have a 54% chance of it lasting after Mm. 30 years. Now, listen, no financial planner is going to recommend you do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, there will be lots of people who are um, more relaxed about their money running out. Maybe their other circumstances mean that they've got other forms of income, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so, you know, that just puts it in context. And this is so important, Ed, because, you know, I, I think, you know, the big transition that's happened during our working lifetime is this move away from defined benefit pensions where people just get an income for the rest of their lives and they don't even need to think about what the market's going to be doing to defined contribution pensions where we absolutely do have to care about what the about the what the market is is going to do and whether we've saved enough and how much we can sensibly afford to take out of our pots there's a lot of you know the whole the whole pressure has been piled on the investor rather than the employer um the the the, the pensioner rather than the employer Uh, and so actually i find it very very reassuring that that the numbers actually Point the way that they do. Yeah, indeed. And look, look Tom, this was a this was an academic exercise. There's all sorts of ways in which this is not completely uh, realistic, or or won't sort of map onto people how to, onto how people really sort of live their life in retirement. So finally, um, let's talk about some of the practicalities. Is there anything you can do about any of this? We've shown, I think, the role that that luck essentially or timing can play. You don't know what future market returns are going to be, so it's difficult to time your um, withdrawals uh, completely correctly in advance. But what is it that people can do to perhaps push things in their favour a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are, you know, there are, you know, a couple of things that you have no control over. You have no control over the returns that the market is going to give you. And you have no control over when you need to start, um, or, or maybe you don't have any control over when you need to start with withdrawing uh, the money. But mm-hmm. what you do have control over um, is uh, how you structure your money. So, for example, if you set up uh, a cash fund, um, let's say that covers one or two years of your expected uh, expenditure uh, in retirement, yeah. that actually creates quite a bit of flexibility uh, about where uh, about when you take the money from your investments. Because if you have that buffer uh, and you say, well, look, the market is falling, uh, the market is low at the moment, I actually don't want to sell investments at this level of the market. You don't have to because you've got a cash fund yeah. and you can, so you can dip into your cash fund uh, to, to do it. And then the second thing that I think that you can do, which is, which is, is, is really um, uh, powerful, is that you can flex the amount that you take. So, you know, you, we've talked about 4%. Um, but let's say you were getting a natural income from your investments. So dividends from shares and um, it, you know, income from cash and, 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 and the, the, the yield from your, from your bonds of 3%, mm-hmm. you might say, well, look, for a period of time, I'm just going to take that natural income of 3%. So I'm yeah. not going to dip into my capital. 
at the moment because the market is low. And then when the market picks up, then you can then you can adjust. Uh, and so so I think on those two fronts, you can you can actually create a bit of flexibility. Yeah, exactly right. I mean that that, that point about. Uh, cash pots or a cash reservoir to actually provide your income in the first instance. That's a very common thing that financial planners will put in place for their clients, financial advisors. You know, they, they might set up uh, a, a pot worth, I don't know, two years worth of income. You sort of, you take your income in the first year from that and then you kind of take stock and if your invested money has fallen in value, you might not want to sell any assets and in fact you'll you'll take cash uh, for a second year from that cash reservoir, um, or it might be that you re- replenish from the investments if if they've they've performed well. And actually, it's a, a good point to mention. You know, financial advisors can be um, very very handy in this situation because they can optimize this entire plan, can't they? Of where your income comes from, um, whether it makes sense to take from investments, just natural levels of income, dividends, whatever it is. Um, they can really help you out and they can and they can ensure that you remain flexible in your income through retirement because look we we've looked at scenarios of people you know building up a you know a 200,000 pound pot after 10 years well the reality is that probably wouldn't happen they probably would have started taking a higher level of income before you got to that point right so um you know having flexibility in your plans whether that's with an advisor or not is really useful you can course correct along the way yeah absolutely and if ever there is a good time to to be thinking about taking advice then i think it is at this this moment when you're moving into um into a withdrawal phase um into into retirement um and you know it, it absolutely I suspect will really pay for itself in terms of because this is difficult, you know. I mean, we've just had a, a half hour conversation about this. Yeah. It's actually quite complicated, um, and I think people need help. Most people will need help here. It's a it good is. time to get advice. Okay, okay. Well, let's leave it there for now, Tom. I will just point people to our website for the full written article about this. It's got graphical illustrations of what we've been talking about uh, and probably tells the story a bit more clearly than we're able to do on the podcast, certainly in terms of the numbers. Um, there's, there's, there's lots more work on this and probably more to come as well. Um, but for now, Tom, uh, thanks for coming in to talk about it. Excellent. Thanks, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.